someone who's looking at your work and happens to hear you speaking about it may relate to that in some weird manner. So first of all, it's an insight into your thoughts and everyone is inherently very curious. If we weren't, there wouldn't be so much reality TV. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Hello, all my bold, brazen creatives out there. Thank you for joining me on the Sage Arts Podcast. This is Sage, of course, and I have a guest to share with you today that's a little bit different than our usual. She's not an artist of the visual type, but rather she works on the other side of it from us. She's a curator and artist advocate. So we actually get to hear from someone who is trying to help artists sell rather than what the artist's experience is in selling and promoting and all those businessy things that we do. It's really a rich conversation that's a little longer than usual. So I'm going to keep the intro really short. We're all good here in California. So, you know, if you want to come in and join me in the studio, as per usual, the comfy chair is here and waiting for you. Ember is under the desk. So it's all clear everywhere else. And as far as business there wasn't much conversation this last week, so I don't have stories to share or thank yous or shout outs, probably because I wasn't very active on social media and the like. It's been, I don't know, maybe the busiest week of my year somehow with the in-laws transplanting over to our neighborhood and me jumping over to their house as they need things and talking to, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe 12 different contractors for some sudden repairs that we need to get going on the house. and. And I also have some news and things that have been coming up, new things that I will be doing outside of the podcast. But I'll give you a little rundown in the newsletter first, and then next week I'll talk about it a bit more. And if you haven't signed up for the newsletter yet, you can do that on the homepage of thesagearts.com. Just look for the news and notices button. The newsletter gets all the extra stuff that might go with the podcast episode. In any case, if you need any of those links that normally throw out because you do want to send me some stories or you do want to donate or you want to catch the reels and things that are on social media, go to the sagearts.com website or go to the description or show notes in the podcast player or page that you're listening to this on and you'll find that all there. So today's conversation is going to be primarily focused on the things that we as artists don't necessarily like to do and ways to either get yourself to do it or find options to get it done for you and just ideas for you to do things that can help promote you as a working artist or get you over those hurdles that we have to navigate as creatives who want to get our work out there. So for questions you might want to keep in mind, are there things that you avoid doing or progress in your artistic career that you have not attempted because there are things you are not comfortable with or just don't know where to start. Those are the kinds of things we're going to be discussing. And hopefully we can give you some ideas and motivation and inspiration to take on those as yet unattained or unexplored areas of potential growth in your artistic journey. So with that, let's go join my guest. My guest today is Magna Giridhar. She is an entrepreneur, artist advocate, and founder of Let's Curate, a New York-based global curator platform empowering independent artisans. Thanks so much for joining us today, Magna. Great to be here, and I've so been looking forward to our chat, Sage. Thanks for um, having me. Me too. So this is a little different for me since I commonly interview artists, but you aren't an artist yourself. You help artists, you curate artists, that's what your site's called. So tell us a little bit about what you do and in your own words, who you are and what your relationship is to art and artists. So uh, like you correctly mentioned, I'm the founder of a curator platform. And if the term is a bit vague for people, just to clarify, 
my platform is a space for creators and potential discerning customers to kind of get together and connect. I started this platform in 2019 after 10 plus years of being in the corporate field. You know, I did my usual thing of pursuing a management degree and I worked with a bunch of nonprofit organizations, VC firms. You know, the story starts just like many other stories begin. Uh, <laughs> Somewhere but in 2019, else. <laughs> yes, 2019, something changed. And I launched this platform with a group of 10 people from 10 countries. All of them were creators. I think of it as a dynamic collaborative space for people to create and for them to connect with people who appreciate the process that goes into all of that. Right. I just I, I just love that concept. That's why we had to have you on because just the idea of being for the artists rather than just like for the sale or for the, I mean, we want to be for the customers, of course, but artists need that kind of support. Absolutely. And the germ of the idea, it came out of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a travel junkie. I'm, I'm crazy about yeah. traveling. <laughs> um, and I've done that, you know, I think it's also thanks to my parents who, basically put me on an airplane the minute I was born and then ah. all I've been doing all these <laughs> in the blood, just, yeah. You know, countless, <laughs> countless flights and countless train rides and things like that. Great. But it kind of came out of where I met different people and something about them made me realize that why are they not, you know, known more than where they are from. I'm one of those kind of, you can call me picky. I'm one of those picky people who <laughs> <Okay>. don't, <laughs> we'll call who you picky, don't sure. necessarily going, go to like the usual tourist traps. You know, I've always been intrigued by the culture of a place and, you know, everything that makes a place special. So I've always been in the habit of looking beyond the expected. And yeah. that included initially looking for stores that had different kinds of handmade products and happened to meet 10 beautiful creators from 10 countries. And this was all during the time that I was working in an organization in my corporate life. And somehow I kept in touch with them and they gave me the support that I needed when I was about to make this crazy jump. And they were like, yes, we we are behind you. Let's see where this goes. So they supported you to support them. That's such a win-win. Now, do you create visually at all yourself? Do you have any other creative outlets beyond the business? I mean, business is very creative. Yes. So in terms of creating in the the truest way it's described, I'm not a painter or a sculptor. I don't make jewelry, but I do write creatively. And like I said, you know, there's something about travel that has unlocked a creative aspect of my brain. Yeah. That's the part that really makes this whole thing alive for me. So for me, that is creating in yeah. terms of not the typical definition. I absolutely agree. Travel is such an inspiration, not just a source, but a motivation for what we do creatively. 100%. You know, there's something about being in a place that is strange, Mm -hmm. that does not have all the things that you see countless times during your day-to-day routine that just unlocks something in the subconscious. I think I've had my most creative ideas when I've been in a probably a cottage in the mountain somewhere. (laughs) It's just about being away from your day-to-day because that really bogs the mind down too. Yeah, the the brain has ruts that it goes. And I actually did an episode on it. But yeah, the brain, it wakes up. It needs new experiences. Feed your muse. That was the name of the episode. But yeah, absolutely. And travel is one of the best ways because everything's new. The people are new. Food's new. Language sometimes is new. Yeah. Yeah, definitely does wake up the brain. Well, explain to us how your artists are brought on board. How do you find them and what's the process for for bringing them in? And then maybe more clearly explain what it is that you do for them. What is the partnership? 
you know, as I said, the initial first group of 10 artisans was a very organic find because it happened through my travels. We launched in June 2019 um, and initially we launched it as a shop, as an e-shop, um, just like many other platforms. The only difference was that my collections and the designers that I had curated truly had refreshing ideas and very interesting designs. What happened was it just grew by word of mouth. So by the end of December, mm -hmm. by January 20, uh, 2020, you know, we had grown by a decent number and we had, you know, signed up for all these in-person events. We were going to go kind of literally travel the country and show people stuff, art galleries. Of course, COVID hit and, you know, the world came to a stop and it was paralyzing. I have to say yeah. the first few weeks, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was like, wow, is this a sign that this was the worst idea Not that I ever be. had? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what happened was it actually turned out to be a blessing because I was forced to pivot and I was forced to change the way I thought. So then I was like, this cannot just be a shop. I'm talking about it being a collaborative space. How is it collaborative if I'm just showing something online with like five scarves and like four rings? Like, how is that different? Because we had all these products with us that we were going to show at in-person events, we launched something called Ready to Ship. And these were custom one-off pieces. But the thing was, if you liked it, we would ship it within two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we, yeah, we kind of changed track and we said, you know what, we can't travel anywhere, but we can actually ship it to you. So that was ready to ship. Limited edition where people came to us and they said, now we're stumped because, you know, we were in the process of making this big collection and now I have nowhere to source materials from. I'm locked in my house. Right. I have four pieces yeah. ready. How can you help? So limited edition collection, uh, ready to ship, artist spotlight, the video interviews, all of these were launched in 2020. 2021, we decided to kind of step back gingerly into in-person events. Didn't go very well. But that helped us actually strengthen all these other avenues that we had launched. I think if we had, again, jumped back into in-person, we would not have enough time to create a strong foundation. So it's grown, like I said, very slowly, very organically, word of mouth. We do do a lot of social media promotions because... My whole point is to try to show the world all these amazing ideas and creations that have been made. And they don't have time for that because they're busy creating. And right. that's my whole thing because I'm like, you are good at this and I'm good at this. So you do your part and I do my best to showcase you in the best possible manner. What pain point am I not addressing that will help you just be free to create and then for us to kind of get you to the right bio or the right audience. Right. Yeah. Very artist focused. That's just refreshing. It's, that's not usually how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So does Let's Curate basically operate as a marketplace? I would say it's a marketplace and a resource center. I would call it that. Okay. Um, it's where you can, as a creator, dig in and say, I like this. I like this. Let's do these two things. Or I'm just going to do this. And I do the other thing later. So I'm giving them as all the like possible sales, options. Yes. Sales, sales options. Sales. Yeah. I'm giving you yeah. all the possible yeah. options. You pick and choose what you want. Or you say, okay, you know what? We won't do any of these things, but we'll participate in an in-person event. So in 2022 and this year, we finally went back and did our first in-person event at Art Expo where we presented six ceramists and painters, textile designers from six countries. So... Last year was three people. This time was six people. We're again participating next year. So we're kind of slowly 
dipping our toes into in-person events. So how, how is it that you bring buyers to this kind of marketplace for your artists? So we've done a lot of these in-person events. We actually have an in-house exhibition where we would be doing pop-up events. We partner with, for example, in later this year, we're particip- we are partnering with uh, New York City Jewelry Week, which is like an entire week of celebrating independent designers. So hopefully all of this helps out. Wonderful. Now, I'm going to get into some little fun to get to know sure. you questions. I didn't throw anything really hard at you. <laughs> I've really tortured some people, but <laughs> how would your family or friends describe what it is that you do? I think by now they will visualize me as someone creative and someone who is not afraid to try something new. I've grown to be that kind of person, I feel, over the years. Yeah. It was timid steps and now I actually feel quite fearless about doing a lot of things that I earlier would have never even expressed in words or even if I had the thought, I would have probably just buried that thought thinking, oh, this is just not yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Sometimes we need to see what we're made of first. We take those little steps and little steps and gain that confidence. Now, if someone was to write a biography of you today, what do you think the title would be? I would love for it to be something like, won't be boxed in. It won't be boxed in. (laughs) (laughs) Exclamation point. (laughs) No, it doesn't sound like you could be boxed in. So (laughs) So it might be can't be boxed in. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I always feel like, oh, there are all these forces that are trying to, you know, and I don't mean people, you know, I had a cushy job. I was doing very well in my corporate job. I was by no means unhappy. This was not like oh, I'm having a midlife crisis. What yeah. do I do now? You know, I really <laughs> need to like make a dramatic change. It wasn't any of those things. Yeah, I feel like it was a voice from within that just said, you know, it's you've done this. You've done this for a long time. You're cruising. Yeah. And I think you should stop cruising and yeah. you know, try yeah. something that's a bit scary. Yeah. Trying something new, just like you said. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we, I've done that too. I love my corporate job to go be an artist. And they were like, what? I was like, oh, yeah. no, it's sounded good to me. <laughs> it worked out. So, yeah. There's a, you know, there's a thrill to it. It's oh, because it's just, oh my goodness, it's, yeah. it's just, it's literally like being in like a dark forest and you don't know where you're going, right? what you're doing. Yeah. But it's, it's just an adventure. And I feel like a lot of times you're faced with that. You know, you're at the crossroads and you're like, you know, I could just keep along this path, which is bright and sunny, and I know exactly where I'm going. Right. Or maybe I could just try this out. I always tell myself this when I'm attempting something new. What's the worst that could happen? Right. I'm going to fall flat on my face. I'm going to fail miserably. But, you know, I have other tools and I have other skills and I can always go back to a path that I know how to walk on. Right. So if not now, when? Right. Yeah. (laughs) What would you say is your most memorable travel adventure and why is it so memorable? There are quite a few in my mind, but I'll kind of hone in on one. This was during my trip to Morocco a few years ago. And typically I plan everything. This was a trip. We were just like, let's just go and Uh you just figure something out. And we go and stay in like this traditional Moroccan hotel slash house. And the owners came up and they said, oh, you have to go for this hot air balloon. It's it's really amazing. And that's all they said. And we uh-huh. were like, okay, that sounds great. Let's sure. do it. And I didn't know that meant waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they, <laughs> so they, they, the previous night at dinner, they're like, okay, so, you know, we're going to knock on your door at like 2.45. And we were like, oh, is it in the afternoon? 2.45 p.m.? 
be, yeah, <laughs> you know, are we going to go? They were like, no, it's 2.45 in the morning. And I said, oh, okay, all right. So we <laughs> we don't know anything about the city. There's this little child who knocks on the door at 2.45 a.m. And he's like, okay, just come with me. And we're walking through <laughs> these narrow Kidnapped streets. Kidnapped by a small it's, child. It's, you know, it was very... You know, at that point, I was a little obsessed with Game of Thrones, so it felt very oh. Game of Thrones. Like, <laughs> I was like, where am I going? It started off with me feeling so uncomfortable with this whole thing because right? I was like, I'm in a strange country. I don't know who this child is. Right? Why have they sent a child to pick me up? You know, it's like, where am I going? Then he transports us to a jeep. And this guy, he was like a character out of a movie, like completely covered up and he said you know we're going to go to the desert <laughs> oh, so scary. Is, it's still pitch dark I can't see him he can't see me he's like just get on the jeep so oh my me and my husband we're like driving in the dark it's super eerie but by this time I'm still uncomfortable but I'm still like okay there's a little bit of thrill that's creeping in sure yeah uh, you know and then we get to the desert and it's still pitch dark and there's a ginormous hot air balloon being filled up yeah. and he said okay you know what I'm now handing you over to the third person all strangers. We don't know their names. We, oh and, my goodness. And he just leaves us. And <laughs> I didn't know who's picking us up. And you know, I, I'm a bit of a control freak. So that was super scary. Like what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we get on the hot air balloon and you know, we, we're rising. And I have to tell you, it was an incredible feeling because they had timed it in such a way that the hot air balloon and the sunrise was at the same exact time. Oh, amazing. And I still have goosebumps when I think about this because it was just incredible. The sun rose to a certain point. We were at that same exact point. And then you can see the sun rays like spreading across the horizon. Uh So it's like, it's like liquid gold. You know, this is why those people were not communicating much because when I right? came down, they said, you know, we never tell people what the whole thing is about, like step by step. <laughs> it's just go with the flow. But right. it was such a great reminder to myself that sometimes you just have to just follow what people are telling you. Mm-hmm. And it was just incredible. Yeah. I, I, that really sticks out to me. Yeah, yeah. And that that's one of the things about we do a lot of things that we don't know what's going to happen. It's just so wonderful because you didn't have those expectations. And that actually is exactly. going to key into a little bit of our conversation today about yeah. f- kind of facing things that you're not really comfortable with. And it's funny because I almost always ask my guests if they're a planner or a pantser. I didn't even bother putting that question down for you. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like, she's a planner. She is so. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. I'm like, we got other things to talk about. We know this. Yes. So, exactly. <laughs> well, let's kind of get into our subject matter today. We talked initially when we met about artists and being sometimes uncomfortable about trying new things. So we're going to talk about taking unexpected avenues, honing your skills in maybe new directions. But before we totally get into that, what is it about handmade art? that personally draws you? Because that's specifically what you're looking at at Let's Curate, right? Yes. My network comprises of individual artisans and designers who focus only on the handmade slow fashion philosophy. Handmade by itself is special because there's a lot of the person in that product. I hate using the word product, but you know, it's 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 the creation or whatever they come up with. But the thing that really excites me is that It's a form of storytelling without anyone realizing that they're telling a story. And, you know, as you keep building on that, it's you're kind of unconsciously building a legacy or you're passing on a legacy to someone who has liked it and is inspired by it. So many of my artists, uh, you know, now my platform represents about 
70 plus creators, most of them either continuing what they've learned from generations past, which is great because, you know, there are so many dying arts. Artists find it's a challenge to be yeah. an artist, to stay true to what you really want to do. So there are many of them who are kind of following the path that they were taught. And there are many who have spun it around on its head and they have their own contemporary interpretations for that. But the foundation is still kind of the stories that they were told in terms of the techniques that they were taught or processes that, you know, maybe the great-grandfather did. And, you know, now it's obviously modernized. But the essence is telling stories. Yeah, it's It's a way of communicating who you are. And you are not one person. You are not just you. You are, I would say, a combination of everyone who came before you and everyone that you will meet right, in the future. Right, yeah. uh, and to bring that all together in something that you make, that to me is very thrilling. It, it cannot happen in on a machine. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned slow fashion. And I don't know if everybody knows what that is. A quick definition. Yes. Slow fashion is essentially, you know, these are artisans who take the time. It's It's literally what slow means. You take the time to perfect your art. They don't work with deadlines. There's no machines used for these kinds of uh-huh. things. So slow fashion essentially is using sustainable products, taking your time to perfect your art, and kind of changing lanes when you want to. Yeah, uh, that's a different attitude. Yeah, I mean, I, I know about slow fashion in terms of the environmentally friendly aspect and yes. whatnot. Yeah, I never really thought about like it, if it works all the way through to the maker as well. Yeah. Okay. Now, when we first met, you mentioned that you thought there were significant avenues that artists didn't readily explore. Can you explain what kind of avenues you were referring to and what an exploration of them could do for an independent artist? I love this question because I think this was the basis of my entire idea to kind of kickstart this. So like I said, during my travels, I met about 10 people from 10 countries and they were people who were working in isolation. So they were in little towns, sourced their own materials, you know, literally went to farms and got like the cotton and then the spun the cotton, oh, yeah. cotton that kind of stuff. So wow, yeah, yeah. Um, they had never even shown their stuff beyond the little town that they were in. That to me oh, was shocking right, because yeah. it was like a visual treat because I had found these things and it was a shame that their mind had not even gone to that phase where they felt confident that they could actually present their work beyond that little space. Again, there's nothing wrong with being happy with where you are. Sure. But I think as a creator, it also inspires you to push the boundaries a little bit. So I think the biggest challenge for these 10 people was they were just scared to challenge themselves. So one of our very first creators is this person who makes wooden boomerangs. And he is based in a little town outside Lithuania, like just by Lithuania. Okay. Yeah. And then he, you know, he had a little website where he did stuff. It was very mom and pop kind of thing. He had learned this from his dad. So when I spoke to him, he said, oh, you know, I've never, I've never even been out of this place. So (laughs) himself, not just his art. Yeah, it was frightening. Oh. Um, and I was like, this is unacceptable. Like, the <laughs> <thing> cannot... <laughs> So I think, you know, looking beyond what's around you has been a challenge for many of the people that I have curated. They were also, I think, even in small towns, there was this thing of, oh, if I don't have 50 pieces in a collection, there's no way I can show this to anyone. Right. Again, this is something that is through literature, through social media. This is something that is kind of, in everyone's brain, and I don't know why, where they feel, oh, if I just make one piece, I can't even show that. And 
that actually came to our rescue during covid because we were like you know what you have two pieces you have three pieces that's perfectly fine we'll start something called a limited edition collection why would yeah. someone who likes that technique not want to have one and that will never be made again no one else so, will have yeah yeah but they didn't think that way and mm-hmm. again they're not at fault because everything around them tells them that you need to have a full blown completed cohesive collection to kind of show people or even take the first step of presenting it right you know presenting your work was another thing that many people are very reluctant to do because it's talking about yourself either because of cultural reasons or because of just situations around you many people are like oh i'm just going to create and if someone likes it they will come to me unfortunately that's not how it works you have to have a way of communicating what you want to show in your work and it has to be through either digital medium through written content through something it's part and parcel of being a creator and it's it's something that many people are not comfortable with and i get it because many of them are introverted many of them have language barriers but i think it's very very important you have to advocate for yeah. yourself this was something which is sorely lacking among the people that i met initially and i now feel i have a little more confidence and a manner in which i can gently persuade them and help them understand that it's not wasted effort it's actually very crucial right i mean even if you're not introverted or you've never left a small town just doing art is a vulnerable act and so to go farther to try to show people what you do it's just i can yes. be a very scary yes. thing for most people but you know what what they don't realize is that people are waiting to hear from them people feel like they need to have like a very exciting or a dramatic story and it has to be something sensational and then people will sit up and listen i don't think so what you think is mundane is not mundane to me at all so people just no. feel also very hindered by the fact that oh you know what i'm saying is just so boring like why would i ever want to like talk about that but i think there is some beauty in everything because we are all existing in our own little worlds so anything right. that comes from outside that is just so refreshing and when it is in the form of an idea that you created something out of i think that's just spectacular yeah i mean it's new and different to us or if it's even the same kind of things that we do we feel connected to people who yes. are like us and so the more you can show of yourself the more people are actually connected to your artwork and i found that as a as a working artist that if i was actually at a show and i did a class or i did a presentation i just sold yep. a lot more cuz people felt like they knew me and then they felt like the art meant more exactly. to them exactly you've hit the nail on the head i think it is about making a connection yeah now have you examined why artists may be reticent to go down these avenues even if you've explained this stuff to them and if you have were you able to find out why this aversion seems prevalent amongst all these artists that you're working with i really think it boils down to the horrors of social media Yeah. You know, social media is just even now i'm glad that now people are changing course a little bit but it still to this day is all about perfection the perfect face mm-hmm, the perfect right. life the roles that one has to play perfectly so i have two two young kids and there was this tiktok of this lady talking about all the lunches that she makes for her kids with this <laughs> elaborate designed she had different lunch boxes for every day of the week Wow. The sandwiches were <laughs> like, "Oh my god." And it took me a while to get out of that whole thing and I was actually to be honest, I was a little ashamed of myself because I was like, "I am an educated person. Like this is not reality. It's not possible 
for a working right, mother yeah. or not even you don't even have to be a working mother even just being a mother this is yeah. a hard benchmark to kind of get to yeah no. so i think this it's constantly <laughs> in your face so i think especially for creators and like you're saying they're so vulnerable because it's abstract it's an idea that you know only you have thought of only you have understood that and you have to communicate that i think that makes them very reticent this whole yeah. thing about being perfect i would say even with art galleries it's ironic because it's all about welcoming new talent and discovering the next big new thing but they have so many yeah. boundaries even to get in that is changed a little yeah. bit with covid because i think they have to adapt but earlier you needed you know you couldn't even step into an art gallery without having all the 10 things that they need for them to even give you an right. appointment to see your work that step itself i think so many incredible people must have just stepped back and just said no you know what this is this is too much and and no way sure. close to even yeah, half yeah. of what they're expecting so why should i even put my hat in the ring so i think having to be with it all the time i think that makes people really nervous that's one angle the other angle is like i said communicating your thought process you could show something to someone and they could interpret it completely in a different way either that's going to crush you sure. or you just take it and you just say oh you know what that's their own interpretations for that again people are scared about finding that out absolutely and of course fear of failure you're so tempted to say no when something unknown comes your way all of these things just i think hold many many not just creators i think just people back Yeah, well, I think it's interesting what you're saying like you're seeing a really high bar for artists that we didn't really deal with so much before because of social media and yeah. whatnot. And I and I have to agree it can be very depressing yes. sometimes as a creator to get online and seeing people do these things that you know you'll never be able to accomplish that. I'll never be able to do that, but you shouldn't either. And that's the thing that we tend to miss is like you shouldn't be doing exactly. what they're doing. You shouldn't be reaching what they're reaching because you're going to reach whatever works for you. But you're right that high bar is does make us like why are we bothering yeah, exactly <laughs> do you think there are one or two avenues or skills that you would highly recommend artists acquire or hone above all else if they're going to do something that they're not comfortable with i think you have to research the business a little bit you cannot mm -hmm. live in a bubble you should not also try to be like other people but you have to know what the business is about because let's face it it is a business yes there's a difference between creating for an audience versus a hobby the people in my network it's not a hobby for them they hope to make money off it they hope to be successful in it be known in their field which means you need to know what the field is about i think you need to know what the trends are not because you need to follow a trend but it could possibly put you on a path that is your own little journey but you cannot live on an island networking is something that i find a bit tricky because it's fine up to a certain point i'm in new york city you know this yeah. is like the headquarters of constant networking and it's exhausting so i think you should also have the skill to say okay this is what i will do and i should get something out of that where i learn something new or i find a new partner or i find a new person to source materials from i need not be spending 24/7 doing this so kind of knowing if you're networking at what point do you step away because you've got what you wanted i think that's important and the third thing is that it's not possible without some savings without some income 
in, you know, as a backup. So just by my example, I worked for 10 years in the corporate field. I had enough of my own savings. I have certain clients who come to me now and then from my corporate life who want me to do certain projects now and then. And I do that because that money and those resources and that revenue is what I'm feeding into my business. And the reason I can function well and function with confidence and function from a position of strength is because I have that money. There is this whole thing about the starving artist thing. There's so many jokes about them. And I have a very strong view about that. And it may not be a popular view, but I don't think you should put all your eggs in one basket. Even if you're an illustrator, you should have enough of a foundation for you to be able to do something that gives you a regular income stream so that, you know, at least your mind is not burdened by that thought. Because I don't know how you can create if you're worrying about paying the rent. Right, exactly. So have a safety net, which isn't necessarily what most people think about when they get into artwork. For a lot of people, it's a very slow process. I mean, a lot of people that you're meeting, it was passed down through the family or generations of people. And then a lot of people, you know, like that, that I know have ran into yep. it later in life or they had tried early and then they came back to it later. And so it ends up being a slow process, but you still need to plan for having a safety net in order to be able to take those yes. steps that you want to take without being concerned that what happens if it goes wrong? What, what are you going to fall it's, back on? Because that could stop you from doing what it is that you want to do or feel that you need to do, right? And, you know, I've seen a lot of people push back when I say this, but I think For me, I feel very strongly about it because that's what I'm doing right now on a day-to-day basis. This is a very unstable business. This is not a dry cleaning business, which (laughs) you you can plan ahead. You know what's going to happen next. This is a path that I've chosen that is very unstable. I want to stay nimble. I want my platform to stay dynamic and not be bogged up. For those reasons, I am doing exactly what I'm saying. I think creators should do that. And it can be in the field that you are in, you know, teach somewhere or something. Is that something that you work with your artists on or encourage at least to these people that you work with? I definitely do encourage. Whenever I speak to someone new, we always start with a phone call and I always say that, listen, this is not a business of guarantees. So I do try to encourage, especially people who they're like, oh, you know, I've been an architect for like 15 years and I'm just going to quit my job. Yes, if you have enough of a safety net, sure. I feel you can do it. It also keeps you connected with the real world. You're not also, you know, kind of in your little studio all the time, you know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) You do feel like you are in your own world, yeah, yeah, which can be problematic too. Because it all all ties in with then you feeling more hesitant to talk about people, talk to people, tell them about who you are, because you're, again, in your own world of one. But when you're, you know, when you're in the same field, but you say working in a job, there is an exchange of ideas. I mean, man is a social animal. So there is, you've got to accept that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons I do things like this. I think artists need to get more input from the outside. Yes. Because so, otherwise you are in a vacuum and it, it can be very stifling and yeah. make your work very stale as well. Now, talking about one's process so an artist's audience or customers can get to know them better seemed very important to you in our conversation. So how does talking about one's process, do you think, help them connect with the people they're trying to reach? And are there other advantages to consider as well, whether it's speaking or writing or putting themselves out there on video? Um, I think the biggest thing is kind of like a map into your mind, which Like I said, people are very interested in that. They want to know your story. They want to know what inspired you. And when 
you are vulnerable and people again feel like, oh, we should just talk about the good stuff. I think as creators, it's a process filled with angst. There's like the good, the bad, mostly bad. <laughs> <laughs> or things but, that we worry but, are bad. You yeah. know, but it's, I think if you speak about them, someone who's looking at your work and happens to hear you speaking about it may relate to that in some weird manner. So first of all, it's an insight into your thoughts and everyone is inherently very curious. If we weren't, there wouldn't be so much reality TV. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, I mean, it doesn't change. The plot stays the same. It's just different people. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> and, but it is, you're right. It's all, it's all those little yeah, things, right? Because it's not a linear connection. You know, you had a bad experience. I'm not going to have the same bad experience, but I think I know how you felt and when you made the breakthrough, that triumph, you know, yeah. it's nice to share that. It also is a way which most people don't realize you will find your people when you speak. Right. One yeah. way or the other, yeah. you will find your tribe. I mean, that's why kids are amazing because they seamlessly move through friendship so beautifully because they just always so they just yeah. always open and transparent and you know, they just they just <laughs> themselves all the time. They're not hiding their feelings. So you will find your people. And I think also, not only will you find your own people, you will also get a more defined perspective for yourself. I like this. I yes. don't like this. I don't agree with what he said. But I think this argument that he made is interesting. So maybe I can use that. I think those right. kinds of things are, are crucial. So really finding out more about yourself. Yeah, exactly. By listening to other yeah. people. Well, it's interesting as you're talking about this, I'm just thinking about the processes that like um, from both sides as someone who views and loves art or someone who's creating, the more we talk about things, the better we understand yeah. in general. But I do think like the more that I spent time putting together classes or writing yeah. books or writing articles, the more I really got to understand what I knew and what I understood and what I liked to be doing just by the by the process of trying to explain it to somebody else. It's like in therapy, they tell you to yeah. write things down, even though it's in your head, because when you have to put it down in black and white, you have to explain it and you have to exactly. think it through and really understand it in order to find the words for it. And as visual artists, sometimes that's hard because words aren't what people right. work with necessarily, but having to yeah. do it, it just pushes you to really think through what you're doing and why, mm -hmm. right? I agree. Now, do you have any advice for artists that can't or really aren't comfortable with being more open and reaching out through these avenues that we're discussing? Do you think there's ways that people can become more comfortable or small steps that they can take to get them to the point where they could talk more about themselves and their work? You know, you just mentioned one of the simplest things, which is to just write stuff down. You yeah. don't need to speak. You don't need to be in a group of people. You can just write stuff down. I think that like exactly the way you, you beautifully explained, it just as you're writing, your mind just gets more and more clear. So that's the simplest thing. A couple of other things, I think you need to find partners. When I say partners, mm -hmm. it's not someone who's doing your job. It's someone who's adding to what you are doing. So it can be platforms that can be a connecting partner between you and your potential audience. And then surround yourself with people who are invested in you. All the people that I have right now, I always tell them, this is not like we collaborate once and okay, goodbye, by March 30th, we are done. It's yeah. a partnership for life. That's how I view it. I mean, it's going to evolve as you get older or as you kind of pivot lanes. When you have someone who's invested in you, who will take away that part 
which may be challenging for you say speaking for yourself it's already a good feeling because you're free of that and you've mm-hmm. found someone who's equally passionate about what you are doing and it's not an altruistic uh, thing i i am also getting <laughs> yeah. something out of it you know so it's yeah. it's the roles are very clear but if you are unable to advocate for yourself i think it's good to have people who will do it for you in the best right. possible manner because everyone has a skill set like i said i don't paint and i don't make jewelry but i think i do have a sense of what would be great for this particular person um and again it's not me telling them this is one two three you have to do that it's me saying i think these are possibilities have you thought through them let's try them out what do you think so it's it is a collaboration you know it's it is a collaborative space right. through and through from yeah. the beginning to till the end it is it is a partnership yeah. that is based on trying to make it a win-win situation are there specific things that you ask your artists to do to put themselves out there there things that you ask them to write up or or interviews or any anything that you are recommending for your artists right now we have a bunch of avenues that we've launched over the past few years where they can express as little or as much as they want so for the you know for example there's something called an artist spotlight profile that we do every month where we go really in depth into who they are you know right from what were their early influences what's the kind of medium that they like working with and many people it's shocking but many people have never ever spoken about that so i really like to go back in time and have them dig up those kind of factors that inspired them so i would say yeah that is the artist spotlight is something that i i really love i always also love doing video interviews not everyone's comfortable with them and i'm totally fine with that but when i think it's for reasons where and this happened with one of my favorite absolute artists she's a young lady from japan and she makes minimalist jewelry designs she makes fantastic jewelry and she said no i'm not going to do a video interview because i don't speak english very well and i really wanted her to speak so i just said we'll try two things why don't you write in japanese and we'll try to translate that or you speak in japanese and we will translate that we will do something but i want right. you to just say what you feel like say i thought the interview would end in 10 minutes it went on for 45 minutes and she sent me such a sweet message after that and i could see you know as the interview progressed the smile got wider she you know she was loser yeah. she was like because it was in her own language i had taken off the burden of having to be really good in english and i think it was the one time i really pushed someone for myself i wanted to understand what she was about and that was not possible any other way because we were exchanging emails and that was all about the business it wasn't really about who she was yeah. uh, but that was the one example that i feel proud of that i got yeah. someone to really open up and you know till date i feel like that was a very successful moment for me because for her she felt so happy i felt like she was just like letting go after you know yeah. all that hesitation That reminds me of your hot air balloon story yes. because she didn't know what would happen. She yes. was fearful and uncertain and and we always are. The unknown is the thing that's scariest. And once you know even if it's not a good thing, it's much easier to handle. But she didn't know. But once you do it and you find out what it is and you find out it's not hard and you find out you can do it. Yeah. It's amazing and it's such a great feeling to put yourself out there and yeah. accomplish that. But at least you did that. and no one will admit it but you actually do feel good that you did something that was just so bizarre to you <laughs> to but you, you did yeah. it 
just it's, the effort is an accomplishment. You're like, look, yeah, I tried it. Didn't like it. I'm <laughs> yeah, let's move on. It's but you fine. tried it. No one's, you know, no one's testing anyone. That's what people forget, I think. They're just like, hey, yeah. oh my God, no one has the time to actually judge <laughs> right? you. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. No, they can't keep all that and everything else in their head 100%. at the same time. So. Yeah, yeah. So for a lot of people who have a hard time doing this, then your kind of recommendation is to try a couple small things, do something for a short period of time, do something that no one else is going to see it sounds like, you know, the idea of just writing it down for yourself, videoing yourself if you wanted to, any of that stuff, because all that stuff can be done these days in the comfort of your own home with nobody else. All you need to do is communicate in a manner that you're most comfortable with. And I think people, people, it's very refreshing to see that. Yeah, You know, I put a bunch of like these webcast clips on our social media channels and we do like little snippets. No one's in makeup. No one's like sitting in like a like an amazing studio with, you know, like the perfect background. But I think that's appealing because all that other stuff is not important. What you're saying right. is important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to get past that. But we kind of think of that first. We're like, OK, what are we going to wear? Exactly. Like- <laughs> <laughs> you know? And all these modern things like, how am I looking on screen? Do I look, you know, right? the face that you have to make on the Zoom call? I mean, you know, all of those things. We're just... so self-conscious. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's terrible. Leave us alone. We're artists. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go create. <laughs> uh, well, it sounds like you've really helped your artists at mm. Let's Create think beyond the usual modes of promotions and even production. Can you give us some of the examples or stories about your experience helping artists broaden their approach for their work or ideas for creating their body of work. My favorite example, which I just gave you, was getting the uh, Japanese lady designer to just open up. There's one other example I can think of. It's a lady from Ecuador, and she makes sustainable jewelry from recovered silver that they find from mines. And oh, she okay. upcycles like caps of plastic bottles. If you see her pieces, you would just not know that this was the source of her right. of her idea. Nice. Um, And Uh she's not, you know, she told me right from the get go and I did not push her because I know that she was just not ready for that. She didn't want to write about herself. She didn't want to kind of like speak about herself. So I would say that for her, we just said, listen, if you give Mm -hmm. us permission, we will tell your story. So that's another way, you know, this is this goes back to what I was saying is finding partners who can be kind of your agent of whatever that you are thinking of. And she was completely on board with that. Wonderful. So from what you've been doing on a personal level, what do you think is the most impactful lesson that you've gained from working with these artists and the business of Let's Create? You know, I think the thing that has always helped me is wearing my heart on my sleeve. I think if you are open, others will be too. And I'm always like, I literally like bear my heart (laughs) and soul when I'm speaking to someone because I want them to know that I really... I'm speaking to them because I am interested in them and I am interested in their story. And, and this is a business. Yes, it's a business, but it's beyond that. And I'm trying to be, trying to kind of get to that. You know, the other lesson that I learned for the first few times, I was like, oh my God, that con was a like a disaster because it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. But I didn't realize that what does not work now may work out later. And that yeah. has really helped me because... I I never feel that any call has gone to waste because I've at least, you know, opened one channel of communication with that person. And like, it, it may not have worked out this year. It may work out in six months. Um, so there's never an end point. Uh, you know, we're speaking yeah. about creators and creativity is kind of limitless, right? So you can't have right. one conversation and be like, oh my God, we're never going to work together. This is, you know, this is the <laughs> end of the road. 
it's never like that it's just a dialogue yeah. so i think yeah, i had to yeah. learn that too because i had to kind of um, i think get out of my corporate mindset a little bit where it's about have you closed the deal is it done and then it's done you know then it's a success right right but yeah. this is not that way it's a success just because you have actually made a new uh i would say a new connection and maybe it'll go somewhere maybe it won't it doesn't matter so just being completely honest and just knowing that the road keeps going it'll end when you want it to end yeah so it sounds like your lessons are primarily on just being genuine and yes. hopeful and and open correct possibility yes. yeah 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 now you've talked a little bit about the ideas of success can you give me your definition of success for you and then maybe your definition of success obviously different for every artist but kind of how do you define that they're doing well on your platform you know for me the definition keeps changing it's a moving target so early on you know just right out of college success for me was being a valued person at an organization helping the organization mm-hmm. succeed and me doing a good job on that front that was to me the parameter for success then you know making like a seemingly like crazy abstract idea into a reality in 2019 that for me at that point was like a huge feeling of triumph i felt so good you know wow. when i launched that it was like <laughs> you know you build something and you let it out into the world and it was just yeah. it was incredible and i know now that it's building relationships with people whom we are bound with like a common thread that binds us and it's all about creating together yeah. it could be creating a product it could be creating a process it could be creating a relationship i think that to me would be like a lifelong search gotcha yeah and then for your artist do you have parameters that you're like now you're successful on this platform you know brass acts like having great sales uh, you know giving them great feedback about their products helping them find an avenue that's a great fit for that person uh because like mm-hmm. i said what would work for one person may not work for something else so if we find something that works really well and translates into either them um you know getting a new client or you know what my products were seen in this editorial magazine in in london you know things like that i think those would be some ways for me to define success for my people It's just so interesting to be talking to somebody on the other side, yeah, yeah, rather than the artist. Like, this is what I did, and this is the people I deal with, and these are the people that tried to help me sell my work, and that didn't work yeah. out or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I know, uh, but to hear your view on their success and just working for them so hard, I just that's wonderful. So, as we wrap up, why don't you tell us where to find Let's Create? And we'll get some links and how to contact you if anyone is interested mm-hmm. and they think they might. have a, a partnership possibility with you and uh, any new events or news or anything that you want to talk about sure so the website is letscurate.com l e t s c u r a t e and our instagram handle is let's_curate email or instagram is the easiest way to reach us we are very responsive the company email address is info@letscurate.com in terms of upcoming events or news an exciting piece of news is that for the first time our designs are being showcased at a retail store in Soho in New York City the latter half of the year we as i mentioned briefly earlier we are launching an in-house international exhibition it's called opulent handmade treasures and the theme is maximalism so it's kind of like go big or go bold and go we're big. doing a bunch yeah. of things to showcase designers and participants in that 
So we're going to do a hybrid exhibition plus an in-person exhibition. And this will be October to December this year, 2023. So we're working hard towards that. Yeah, just layers of stuff you have going for your artists. Just supporting the artists and really giving them uh, options and and different avenues to get their work out there. That's fantastic. Well, is there anything else that we haven't covered that listeners might want to know or that you wanted to put out there before we wrap it up? I, I would just like to say that, you know, if you're scared about something, it is something you should actually do because that right? probably <laughs> you're on the cusp of something important, good or bad. You know, that time will tell. But I yeah. really think it's good to leap. Obviously, keeping in mind all that, I'm not, you know, promoting any kind of like pages <laughs> things. But I think in terms of uh, ideology, it's good to do that. And I think it helps to find the right kind of people. And you will know who the right kind of people are to help you on the journey. So you need to have a community and for that, you need to be proactive. It's like they say, if you start walking, the road will open up. So if you don't start walking and nothing's going to change. You're not going to go anywhere. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very wise words. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for spending the time with us today. That was just a lovely conversation. I really appreciate that. Thank you for letting me, you know, speak. I'm so passionate about this. And I really appreciate that you gave me the space to, you know, kind of say all that's in my mind all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can tell. <laughs> well, we enjoyed having you and hearing all that. So thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Having Meghna on has really got me thinking about how often we talk amongst ourselves, but not necessarily outside of our immediate communities or beyond the realm of other artists in terms of what we do as creatives. It's not like gallery owners or showrunners or agents or the general masses we kind of speak to on social media and other public arenas are anything but people like us. And if we can realize how much those people are like us, even though they may exude all kinds of confidence and authority and have all this experience that we may not have, they also have doubts and failures and moments of indecision. They go through imposter syndrome and question whether they've made the right decisions or taken the correct paths for themselves or their families. I think it would really help us all if we reached out a little more to some of those areas outside our direct artistic circles. So it's something I'm going to kind of look into. And if that's something that interests you, if you have some ideas about that, or if you do not want me to talk to anybody but artists, <laughs> let your voice be heard. Write me at the sagearts.com website. Go to the contact page there or jump over to social media on Instagram or Facebook under the Sage Arts podcast pages and leave me a direct message or a note in the post. And if you like what I'm doing, if you appreciate the content and you find this little project of mine that's enriching my life is enriching your life and you want to give back, there are donation buttons for PayPal and Buy Me a Coffee on the sagearts.com homepage. just a little ways down. And then they're also in your show notes or description section, depending on the kind of page that you're listening to. You can find the links there for the donations and everything else that I talk about here, including information for Magna and Let's Curate. Now, I don't know if my life's going to be any less crazy this next week, but do reach out to me. And I do promise I read everything that comes through, even if it takes me a few days to answer. But I'll try to be more active this week and just touch base with you all more often. Let's just stay connected in general and support each other. And maybe this week we should all try one small thing that kind of scares us and, you know, see what you're made of. And then tell me how that goes, (laughs) because I want to hear it. And I'll, I'll have to think of something for myself as well. But in the meantime... And as per usual, 
feed that muse of yours with all kinds of new experiences. Stay true to your weirdness, and I'll see you next time on the Sage Arts Podcast.